1: Good morning and welcome everyone to live Dharma Sunday for December fourth, twenty sixteen. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you're able to join us this morning. Uh, into December. Winter time is coming. <laughs> the seasons. What would we do without the seasons? Remind us that what we call time is passing by, oh boy, you know, I subscribe to certain uh, email services, Uh, I don't know what you call them, Uh, uh, not blogs, but uh, uh, different interest groups and whatnot, and we're going to mention the term emotional agility. And yeah, next an excerpt, I guess uh, it's also the title of a book, I believe. Uh, but these are sort of, um, <clears throat> these kinds of uh, email notices I get uh, are all uh, spiritual growth-related items. And when I thought about emotional agility, the value of it, it said, and it's nothing new that the message or teaching is not necessarily anything really new that you have not heard before, but somehow they put a focus on it, put a highlight. Say, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, that is, that's right.
1: That is important. That is of value. And uh, a, a, a phrase that I, Sometimes uses mental uh, flexibility. And I say a big part of wisdom is mental flexibility. Uh, this is it, along the same lines, maybe even more important emotional agility. This means um, the main point was. Uh, Reframing emotions uh, as not giving direction to your behavior or, or what to do, um, but that consider that emotions giving us data, information, and emotions hey, what is this telling me? Okay. And it gives you valuable information. But it doesn't necessarily have to be obeyed, or you don't have to be dominated by that emotion. It's treated as a source of data, information. Say, hey, uh, this is telling me this about myself. And uh, this kind of a attitude, I think, would be very good. Uh, psychologically, socially, because a lot of our troubles that we get into is because we react to certain situations. Okay, there's a certain situation, an event happens in the environment, and then we resp- it affects us, so we respond to it. Between that event and our response. We interpret it. We have an e- emotion, say some, some kind of strong feelings, positive or negative, and then we act. And we feel that. I think it's a human tendency that we feel, well, why did you act that way? Well, because this is what happened. And we feel that that event that happened and the emotion that gave rise in, inside us co rise arise together as though they're part of one another and they're really not. Because it's the way we interpret the situation that, or whatever happened that gives rise to a certain feeling. And because of that feeling and being human beings, you say, well, you know, you, you got anger and you lashed out and you broke that furniture. <laughs> you yelled at something. You yelled back at someone. Okay. Or if it's a positive thing oh, or then you smile or then you hug somebody or you said something nice and you feel, we feel that it's because emotion told us what to do direction of our behavior but if we have that well they call it agility meaning maneuverability hmm uh, Same as flexibility, I think, gives us information. One, I remember reading, um, treat emotions, which, what's a healthy way is treat emotions as daily weather. Okay. And we pay attention to daily weather, but we don't let it uh, dominate us. For example, if you get up and. Oh, it's kind of windy and cold outside today. I think I'm just going to put my head under the covers. Well, maybe sometime that's okay, too. It's raining. we spent, Well, stormy weather today. I guess I'm going to uh, not take care of business. <laughs> Instead, we could say, oh, treat the emotions as data giving us information. Oh, today's the weather's like this. Okay. It's gonna be very warm, I'm gonna do this. Oh, it's gonna be rainy, I'm gonna bring an umbrella. If we don't ignore the emotions, And very important, they give us information, what's going on? So that we could, you know, respond accordingly. And but it doesn't you don't get dominated by the weather and say, well, uh, and let it dictate your whole day, your attitude. And I think, uh, for example, somewhere I read, can't remember, but when I talk about maneuverability, psychological maneuverability, uh, whether we call it mental flexibility, but emotional Agility in terms of uh, aquatic uh, um, watercraft rules or etiquette. Uh, on the water, you got all kinds of vehicles: big ships. Say you know, say it's a close to the port. You have motorboats, sailboats, kayaks, canoes. Sometimes you have some big old ocean liners coming in, let's say. Um, The watercraft etiquette or rules is that the vehicles, water vehicles, that are the most maneuverable, most agile, uh, that could turn quickly, are the ones who should yield right away. Uh so, if you're uh a sailboat, well you gotta and you see a big old ocean liner coming okay. the ocean liner is the least maneuverable, so big if you try to turn it, it'll take a long time before it turns completely. so the sailboat will oh well, you just change the position of the sail and Get out of the way if you were on a collision course, right? Uh, You don't say, hey, I was going this way first, and the ocean liner is the one that's coming into me, into my line of travel. He should get out of the way. No, we don't take that. That's not common sense. And then what about if it's uh, between a sailboat and a motorboat? motorboat is much more agile and maneuverable than a sailboat, relatively speaking. Uh, How about road rage? Uh, What's fair, unfair? Not following the rules, rudeness. Somebody cuts in front of us and, hey, you know. Um, This is a subtle point, I think. Of you know we, we might feel hey somebody's not following the rules you know or if I give in if I show maneuverability emotional agility it's that I'm giving in and the other person wins and I lose that's where it is at huh uh yeah we ought to think about this. And uh, put it into the category of right understanding, social interactions. And, uh, it's a very important part of life. I think we have the proper attitude about it. Well, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dahmer glimpse today. I understand his title is as unsupported personality. I never heard that phrase before. I don't know. Well, his name is John Mio, and he was part of our first lay minister group. that started in 2006, and two-year program, so his uh, induction ceremony was May of 2008. And we had just moved to California from the Midwest, and uh, we did not have any you know everything set up here yet, because we, we came in April here, and it was May, so we arranged to have the induction ceremony back in the Midwest at the Brighton Home spread that was started by Richard Brandon disciple of my father to Wisconsin but two our drive from Chicago and so we had the first lay minister induction ceremony in Plymouth, Wisconsin okay. and uh, John Mio uh, he lives in Illinois, Central Illinois <laughs> just as an aside but I can still remember, he drove his motorcycle. I think it was about a three-hour drive for him. Um, and Mio, me is green. yours is the sun. So green sun. What do you think of that Dharma name, Mio? Green sun. Green in the sense of fresh, raw, nature, growing or oh, the green Revolution ecology uh, I think they, just as an aside but hey I think green would be a nice Buddhist Buddhist color although it said that yellow is the considered traditional Buddhist color of course various denominations have their own sort of color just like states have a model or a state bird or whatever. Uh, um, Some Buddhist denominations, their color is like royal purple or, you know, we associate purple with royalty or things like this. Uh, And Buddhism, as I understand it, the, the color yellow is because that's the color that, cloth and fabric that's exposed to the elements for a long time, all colors of textiles, they turn yellow when they're exposed to the sun and the elements. And the original uh, robes that the monks wore was made from discarded cloth found by the roadside back in the day. Uh, So it was yellow in color. So, very traditionally, yellow is considered the, the color of a garb, if you will. But in another sense, I like green eh, for all the connotations that I just mentioned. Well, let's hear what John Mew has to say about what he titles his talk as Unsupported Personality.
0: I work in the library at a community college and teach a dual-credit freshman composition class for the college twice a week at the local Catholic high school. The class meets in the computer lab, actually, which generally works out pretty well, except when some student thinks there's something more interesting going on on the Internet than there is in class, which, frankly, is pretty much all the students all the time, but that's beside the point. The point is, last week I printed out the outline of what I wanted to do in class on the classroom printer. And when I picked up my outline, there was a printout already on the printer that read, Unsupported Personality. As the oddball who never really felt like he fit in with his family, even my wife used to sing, One of These Things is Not Like the Other, Under her breath, whenever we got together with the whole family at the holidays, I was amused. Personal message in a bottle from a dysfunctional computer network. But it wouldn't rest that easily with me. At first, I tried to analyze the problem, apply my Buddhist book learning to it, because after spending half my life bouncing from one grad school to another, That's what I do. I concocted a great theory about the equivalency of an unsupported personality and the lack of an essential self and capital E emptiness. And it truly is a solid theory. I looked at it from several angles. I challenged it from different points of view. I let it sit and came back to it later with fresh eyes. It works. And for somebody else, it might actually be true. But for me, it's all cerebral. It doesn't come from where I actually live. I'm not enlightened enough to really make that claim. I haven't divested myself in all sense of an abiding self, so any talk about selflessness is nothing more than a squirrel chattering over his acorns. But all that's okay, because my false personality is supported. As lost and confused as I may be in this Soha world, as far as I may have to go to truly understand the Dharma or become enlightened, I can feel supported in the vow. Just like the sailor in the story who, having fallen off his ship, exhausted, learns that if he simply stops struggling, the ocean itself will support him and carry him to shore. If I simply relax, get out of my own way and have faith, I will be supported, personality and all, and carried to the further shore. Then, someday, when I've completely dropped the last shred of attachment to my false sense of self, can talk wisely on unsupported personalities. Until then, I can at least be grateful that the one I have is supported. Gesho.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, okay. As I listened, uh, he mentioned several things that sort of triggered associations in my mind. Um, nice metaphor with the sailor who uh, goes overboard in the middle of the ocean and um, feels he has to swim to to safety to a faraway shore someplace, and so he's he's struggling against the ocean. The ocean representing, well, causes and conditions. Oh, I got to—I have to my way. Uh, personal power and will, effort, strength—it's—it's uh, it's, it's a struggle. Okay, so he's struggling in the water, um, and he's going to get tired out. Uh, this is not the best strategy, and because. Experiences of their teacher, because of you, physically you get tired of trying to swim. You have to stop stroking, and then you find out, hey, once I, the ocean, a salty water, is supporting me. I, I could relax, get, get on my back and. Do the relaxing kind of backstroke, where it may, you know, you you're st- you could sort of go in a certain direction. Say, hey, I I know that it's pretty far away, but I know that if I head west and I'm looking at the sun or the stars, or whatever, I'll I'll hit land because I I know the general location where we were traveling. And uh, this is a metaphor for life and control and when we say control, we mean personality, a self uh, in the world uh, how do we harmonize in the world, not just with situations but with people you know um if the flow, <laughs> that's a good one. What does that mean? Does that mean that, uh, if we really look at it, that sounds good. But is that kind of agility or flexibility or maneuverability going with the flow? Uh, something that we value, or we, or we, you know, or that's. Influencing us. This is why we have to really sometimes self reflect on what kinds of uh, subconscious assumptions, you want to call it that, that's directing the way we act and the way we live. Um, Even if we know, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy to do, but that's better (laughs) than being ignorant of. Was pulling us this way and that way and what's causing the troubles. The enemy, and he is us, so said the Pogo cartoon. And that's so true. We're the ones that get in our own way. And, of course, it was implicit or maybe a little explicit in the Dharma Glimpse that you know, just because we... We know some concepts or teachings. It doesn't mean that we know how to live it or be it. And that's a very important underlying message here, too. Knowledge versus wisdom. I don't know that difference. Knowledge is not enough. Just because you know doesn't mean you're going to be that way. It's a good first step. Sometimes we worship the knowledge so much and the words, the concepts, and we don't realize that that's not the same as the reality that they're trying to label or describe. Okay. We think that those that knowledge is, is reality itself rather than a tool. Okay. Um, so we could have a lot of uh, knowledge, but does, it, does that ensure that we will have spiritual maturity and so forth? No. Okay. Wisdom means always means there's some personal experience involved. Experience, Kate, okay, not just armchairing. Um, and I think that this is maybe, uh, uh, I was just thinking, John Meehl, you know, he works in Uh, community college library. You know, he's trained as a librarian in library science. And if you work in a library, you're surrounded by a lot of books. Right? The whole culture, human culture and knowledge base is in books, let's say. And And, you know, you could access other libraries, you could Going to a card catalog, you could reference department. Wow, that's a tremendous source of knowledge and power. But does this mean that sometimes we get uh, off track because we have this resource available to us about information and in many things, information itself, how to, how to, you know, solve a particular problem. Oh, how do you do this? How do you unplug a, a, a stopped-up toilet? When you get some information, then there's no problem with applying that information. When it has to do with your own, well, if we call it life, living itself, uh, that's a different kind of creative problem solving is necessary. <laughs> Let's leave it at all for today's broadcast. Till next time, yes, indeed, keep going, and you have a very beautiful day. Thank you